Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and all major podcast providers. So if you can't catch the show live, you can download it or simply use our free podcast player, which is available on our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to connect with us, please post your question on our wall on Facebook or send me a tweet at June Stoyer on Twitter. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's Finest Naturally, authentic pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of the Organic View can receive $1 off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. On today's show, we're going to be talking about fairy gardens. Now, there are so many people that are very interested in starting a fairy garden, and basically the popularity has come about basically because of so many films like The Hobbit, Into the Woods, Maleficent, um, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, Frozen, and just so many other fantasy-themed films, which have actually had a tremendous influence on moviegoers and have prompted them to begin these little miniature gardens and some of them are just absolutely amazing and the elements the the attention to detail is just magnificent and what's also interesting is the use of miniature roses so on today's show award-winning rosarian susan fox founder of gaga's garden is going to be my guest and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things ranging from how to select containers to how to create one for the inside or or for your inside if you have an apartment or one for outdoors Um, also different selections as far as miniature roses and other elements whether you should use recycled materials or even repurpose other materials so I would like to welcome back to the show my favorite Rosarian, Susan Fox. Good afternoon, Susan. Good afternoon, June. What's better on an afternoon that was predicted to be snowmageddon than to be planning or working on our little indoor fairy gardens when we can be just, if we're not planning for our spring gardens or starting our seeds, but working on a delightful little fairy garden. So today we have all sorts of plans and ideas for ways that you can bring your ideas for taking that concept live and having your own magical little fairy garden. Have you started yours, June? I actually have had so many different fairy gardens throughout the years basically because of different family members and then recently as a master gardener, we used the whole concept actually as a mechanism to attract people to come Mm -hmm. to the public educational gardens, the display gardens. So it was a really fun exercise and plus it was a great way to introduce different plant specimens as well as just get kids interested in gardening. And let me just tell you folks, it wasn't just the little girls. The little boys were equally as intrigued and I would definitely say that the little boys were just fascinated by everything from the little miniature 
um, mushrooms that we had to just all the, the decor. It was just fascinating to watch the kids go at it, you know? Well, it's an ancient concept, June. Tiny little gardens have been designed for years, and lore, ancient lore has it that if you design a garden in a very special secret place, that it will attract some tiny whimsical creature to your garden, and it's supposed to bring luck and joy to your life. And so when you're creating your garden, you can be as whimsical as you want to when you start designing with that thought in mind, that when you're creating and you're designing that space, whether it be indoors or outdoors, that you can just put in uh, that magical design element. And that is what intrigues children. When you, If you want to bring them into the conceptual design when you're planning it. And and part of that is, I believe, when I was doing some of the original research on it, that was uh, Celtic lore was part of that, was that, that these um, imaginary creatures like garden fairies would come into our gardens or even into, into um, hidden places of our home and visit us and bring good luck. So, and we all could use a little bit of luck, right? I couldn't agree more. Now, one of the things that I pay attention to is the color. Usually for the gardens that I create, color is a very big deal to me. So Mm -hmm. that, for me, is a primary concern, whereas other people might be concerned about, say, the materials. Maybe they have an abundance of materials Or they might have a particular container that they want to use and basically center the miniature garden around the size of that container. So, folks, before you begin, it's important to figure out, okay, what matters? Is it the color that is going to be the theme, which will determine what elements you add or what elements you don't add? Uh, or is it a matter of a particular container, say if you want to recycle um, a particular, uh, whatever it may be, whether it's a crate or a wooden barrel, whatever the case may be. Some people like to recycle different types of clay pots, and there's a whole bunch of different things that you could do with that. It really depends upon a myriad of factors. Susan, could you share with our listeners some of the criteria that you use when creating a fairy garden or miniature fairy garden, should I say? Well, do you know, just think back, a lot of listeners probably remember and they even, when you go into and you're choosing something, a gift, do you remember a a common term was terrarium? Do you you remember that term? um, I certainly do. Yes. Exactly. And a lot of our gardens right now when we're choosing them, if you can think in terms of a terrarium or if you have a pot, I have many, many friends that are so creative. Or if you're into ceramics and you have a very special piece and you want to make your garden in that piece, uh, a beautiful glass ceramic, how many of us have gorgeous ceramic pieces that we'd like to make that garden in? That, and you have a bay window or a special place that a living area that you spend time. Think about location. I think location is important when you choose your pot. And lighting. If you're going to use shade plants, then then address your lighting concerns. But if you're going to use 
roses or, or um, the mini uh, micro minis or roses, they need more sun. So if you're going to have your indoor garden and you're not going to address, like I've got, um, I went ahead and got some um, of the uh, um, the lighting, the indoor lighting. But if you're going to use the light from the outside, then you've got to address lights and then you're choosing your container. Um, but I've used some ceramic beautiful round ceramic pots that I want by um, with an eastern exposure so it gets morning sun. So with your roses, you still are going to want to get at least four hours uh, or up to six hours of sun if you're going to count on those little roses to bloom. So think that way. Now, if your shade plants, like your ivies and ferns, they're not going to need as much sun. Or a chiflera, if you're going to, or maybe some of the smaller plants. So, um, but I love this. I mentioned, or I was writing about, I think I tweeted it, that I love this elevated garden bed that's a wood decorative piece that I can also move outside. And it's about 18 inches by 34, and it's 30 and a half inches high, and it has a liner in it, and um, it's it's just, I just love it, because it can be moved outside, so it comes inside with roses and outside, and you can put pebbles and decorative items and little bridges and so forth, so it's an excellent, basically an elevated bed, and then you can decorate it with all of the same things that you would for any sort of an um, of a uh, fairy garden to give it all of the exotic, um, oh, enchanting items that you would of any indoor garden. So it transitions. That's what I'm saying, of indoor and outdoor. I think if you're also going to use a ceramic pot, you have to keep in mind that you're going to be watering it more often. Yes. And if it doesn't have... Be, very careful about overwatering if you don't have good drainage and it's not it doesn't have watering um, a place for uh, you know holes in the bottom and you don't have a liner you know the liner that allows for outside drainage you can really overwater and it you don't want your little plants to have their feet wet and sitting in water right June have you ever overwatered that way uh, you know, when your can't plant I can't say that I have because I, I, I guess not recently. Um, earlier I did, but now I'm more cognizant of it. So I, I actually prefer not to use the ceramic pots if I can help it, just because of the fact that it's my schedule is just so intense right now. But um, you know they're very pretty, but it's it's very high maintenance for somebody such as myself that has a really intense schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, and clay. You know, the clay pots absorb. Um, they're excellent because you can put a clay tray underneath and they absorb the water that the plant needs from the bottom. They absorb, but they can also get, they're not as attractive. So, um, but they can get kind of a mossy look to them. So it just, I think it's whether you, it's very much depends on how you want to decorate. Don't you think so? That that's really a very individual taste in how you want your garden to look and if you bring children's ideas into it. Well, when you're creating a garden, uh, of course, uh, what I recommend to people when they're starting out is first make a plan. Think about, number one, how much you want to spend 
if you have any existing materials that you would like to use, and be creative. Think about any materials that you can repurpose or recycle for that matter. And what I'm talking about is, say, if your daughter has an old tea, tea set or um, any type of little toys that you can incorporate as part of the hardscape for that little miniature garden, it, it, you'd be surprised how, how lovely it looks. But these are things that you really need to consider. And it's always best to start off with a plan. So there are a number of different tools that are out there where you can actually sketch what the little miniature garden is going to look like. Whether it's indoors or outdoors, it doesn't matter. It's always to start off with a, with a plan of some sort so that you can actually figure out what you're going to do, how much time it's going to take, how much money it's going to take, and what materials you need. And also what's nice is is that if for some reason you don't like the way something looks, you can always change it up. So I think mm -hmm. that's also important. One of the things that I find to be helpful is if you start off with your hardscape. If you have different materials that you want to make as a permanent part of that garden, whether it's um, a little bench or a miniature statue. One of the things that I like to focus on is the figurines that I'm going to have in that miniature garden. Uh, some of my favorite fairy artists are Amy Brown, Jessica Galbraith. Um, there's, oh boy, there's so many of them. But I, I think Amy Brown is probably my favorite. Um, there are a number of other beautiful artists i mean the work that they do is just magnificent but i guess i you know over the years they've become my favorite um and you can actually go on their websites and purchase their figurines directly or believe it or not if you're at a garage sale or even ebay i mean they have the figurines all over the place so you don't necessarily have to buy a brand new one if you're going to have it outside and it's going to be subjected to the elements that's something that you might want to consider because especially if you're buying a figurine and it's going to be outside, it will be exposed to the elements. And especially if you're paying top dollar for a figurine, you might want to use something that's either a little bit older or just find something that is not going to be too pricey and just really uh, add to the bottom line as far as the cost of the entire project. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing that I think is very important is your materials. Um, when it comes to the landscape itself, what is it that you're looking to achieve? Do you want to have some sort of a pond? And if so, perhaps you might explore some of the battery-operated ponds. Or if you really want to go all out, check out some of the ponds that require electricity, but that will run quite a bit of money. But there are some really cool cool ponds out there, and in the garden supply shops all over, even online, there's so many different options. So take a look at those elements before you incorporate it into your plan. Now, yes, I've seen some that are pretty reasonable too, June. So, you know, if with your list of supplies, you could start and build that around, a, you know, one little um, – in a, a little type of a house, you know, or if you're going to create a little village and then you've got, if you want to start with one little figurine and, and then you want to have, um, you've got your pond and if you're going to use, um, 
you know, the little mushrooms and landscaping stones. And don't forget that you want to have some gravel and uh, moss. And, of course, you're going to want to have, if you're going to do little designs, you may want floral wire and your cutters. And then you're ready to do your, you have those supplies once you have your container. And then if you're going to plant any, um, if you're going to plant the uh, micro mini roses, you can use a potting mix. If you're going to use succulents, then you'd want a cactus or succulent potting mix. But, um Micro mini roses do pretty well in any that same sort of potting mix because they like any soil mix that is drains very well. So you don't have a problem there. They like anything that just drains that has a lot of peat in it and drains very well. So now, you should be fine. If you do want to incorporate more of the succulents, what you can also do is say if uh, you want to make sure that they have the proper soil what you can do is have a miniature container inside the container just so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you can guarantee that the plant will thrive and it will be, you know, fine, uh, especially if you want to add different elements or a different plant specimens rather. For example, say if you have a selection of different miniature roses, and we'll get to the types in a moment, folks, but say if you want to incorporate, say, uh, woolly thyme, which is actually a really pretty plant that will kind of give that whole ambiance that's uh, associated with a fairy-type environment. And it, it's just so pretty, and plus it smells good. I think a sense, uh, some sort of um, herb that will give off a smell when you touch it is also fun for kids because then they can learn about different herbs and what they smell like, and then you can turn that into more of a culinary-type educational lesson which kids are always fascinated it's like wow i can eat this so that's something Mm -hmm. also to consider now speaking of specimens susan what miniature roses do you recommend would work best with a fairy garden or miniature fairy garden should i say well you brought up a really good point because if in a miniature fairy garden if of course, fairy gardens work great indoors or outdoors, but when you subject your garden to the elements, then if you have severe winds, it can, of course, weather can be destructive. So a lot of people like to leave their gardens indoors. So if your garden's going to stay indoors, then roses need more sun if they're going to bloom. So you want that you want your garden to be with a window that gets more full sun if you're if you're really going to have those roses that are going to bloom and you want a rose that's going to stay very tiny and a lot of people don't realize other than some of the roses that you will see in the basket that you get you want what's called a micro miniature and a micro miniature until you've seen some of those little rosebuds you can see a rosebud that's as tiny as, as just look down at your little, your fingernail on your little finger, and that's how tiny a bud can be on a on a rose that's a micro mini. And you can look for roses that are called um, rubellite, and that's a deep pink. Uh, citrine is an orange blend. Uh, pieces of eight is a Gorgeous yellow with a red, with a red edge. Um, 
another thing that is just so much fun and people will ask you about is the fun names of of the uh, micro mini roses. Like um, there's a rose that's called um, uh, Spice Drop and Baby Betsy McCall. These are all names of micro miniature roses. Charlie Brown, uh, Red Mimino, Popcorn, and all of them are tiny, tiny roses. And, of course, another thing is that don't be afraid. If these roses get leggy or they get a little spindly, you can just prune them back. And I, I had a rose that I had outside in Texas, but it stayed tiny, and it was just the most precious, and it was called June Laver, L-A-V-E-R. And if you can get it, just get it. It was yellow and the most beautiful little rose that you have ever seen. Um, another rose is called Herbie. I mean, so these are all highly rated, beautiful roses. Um, you know, how do you like, you know, a name like Chasing Rainbows? I mean, things like that. And these are all micro mini roses. That means they're tiny, basically. They're just tiny little roses. So, how oh, here's one. How are they, Susan? You know, I think June you can get them for about eight I would say eight or nine dollars you know they're they're not super I wouldn't say that's really inexpensive, but these plants last they're they're perennials you know even if you put them outside they they you know they come back if you protect them in the winter and you were to put them in the ground, they come back all the time and if they um with good uh, minimal care, they should last. You know, I won't say forever, but they should last for a long, long time if you take good care of them. Um, one more name I wanted to tell you is uh, Little Sister uh, um, and things like that. So, but you want a, a micro mini because those are the ones that stay tiny. But, again, don't be afraid to just hack them down if you think they get too big and uh, prune them. Do they be sure and prune off spent blooms, okay, because then they keep blooming. Fragrance? You know, some... Some do, and but you'd have to just check. Um, I'm not sure which one of those do, because in you know what I learned from a little French book um, that I didn't know before that I read that said certain roses at certain times of the day open their fragrance to you. And you know I learned that June that um, at morning time certain roses will have a fragrance, and then in the afternoon they won't. So you. I, <clears throat> I learned this in this rare book. Um, it was called Diary of a Rose Lover, and I read this, and it taught me that if you will go back and smell a rose at different times of the day, it will have a fragrance when at other times it doesn't. So there's my tip to all. I thought that was the most delightful thing I learned about a rose, that uh, it will open itself and its fragrance to you at different times of the day. Very isn't interesting. That, isn't that beguiling? It was to me. So... Um, you just have to have the patience to go back and um, and see when that fragrance wants to release its fragrance. But think how tiny that rose is, so you really have to be patient to see if it had a fragrance. So, Thank you, Susan. But, that's, that's really <clears throat> excellent. Um, it's interesting when you incorporate different plant specimens, especially when it comes to roses and the different varieties that you named, they're all so beautiful. It's so hard to choose them. But I think it all goes back to, as I said from the beginning, 
the color, the theme, whether you want water elements or if you're looking to have a certain feel about your fairy garden and also your hardscape, the actual figurines that you're going to incorporate. And I'd like to also mention a couple of other things, your signs. The signs are something that you could do with your kids or with borrow somebody's kids. Uh, It's just something that's fun to do. The signs, especially if you get really creative with the signs, it's amazing what you can do. And for the most part, you can recycle different materials. And it's amazing if you just Google some of the images for fairy gardens, the miniature ones. They are just spectacular. Another thing that I'd like to stress is also stepping stones. It's amazing. You can take anything from gravel to stones that are used in an aquarium. Say if once upon a time you had an aquarium and, you know, you no longer have it, or if somebody is free cycling aquarium equipment, that's also something Mm -hmm. that you might want to use for stepping stones. Also, there are so many do-it-yourself kits for making stepping stones, the bigger ones, and instead of making a big plate-sized stepping stone, you can actually use a smaller size pan, like a, a cupcake pan, to make smaller stepping stones using different, uh, I guess, um, plates and whatnot that you're no longer using to incorporate the different mosaic designs and whatnot. I mean, the list is on, it goes on and on and on, but there are just so many different things to consider. I think for me, one of the fun things is the signs, the key pieces of hardscape, and the figurines, because when you see the figurines and you just see the little, the little tiny elements where you really pay attention to detail. Anybody who's really into these mini fairy gardens is going to just love what you've done, and it will definitely be something that your friends will be talking about as well as other gardeners that you know because it really is something that does require a lot of imagination, and it's so much fun to do. Absolutely, June. And I want to be sure, though, to mention to your listeners that we are going to have a miniature rose garden at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. And it'll be the first time that we have a miniature rose garden, perhaps ever. I know it's the first time that we'll have a rose garden there in over 10 years. So anyone that's in the area, I surely hope that they will come. And I will be talking about miniature roses that uh, that's March 14th through the 21st. And I'll be talking about miniature roses on Saturday, March 21st. So I certainly hope that anyone that's in that area will stop at the show and see the miniature rose garden. There'll be lots of ideas on how to do containers with miniature roses at the show. And uh, there'll be uh, folks there talking about miniature roses as well. Susan, it has been wonderful having you back on the show. Could you just share with our listeners what your website is? And also you have some miniature roses in your calendar, don't you? Um, I've got Floribundas. I have every type. I've got hybrid teas, but oh, I do. I I put in. I think I have Dr. Um, Tommy Cairns, um, but I I've got a calendar that's on my website. I did put every single rose that's in my calendar is from the garden, and a picture of the entire garden is in the calendar, and it's for sale on my website, which is Gaga's Garden. www.gaga 
agasgarden.com. And thank you for um, visiting. And I write about roses and lots of um, humor, lots of lifestyle and family humor on that website. Thank you for mentioning that to uh, You're very welcome, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, June, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the at the show to see the Rose Garden at Chicago Flower and Garden Show. And, folks, please check out the companion article that is going to be posted along with this interview on theorganicview.com. And, as I said, please visit Susan's website, which is gagasgarden.com. And if you are in the Chicago area, please stop by. The, the show is just fantastic. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to attend this year. But if not, Susan will be giving a number of talks. And she's just always a pleasure to talk to, always has so much to share with other people. And if you love roses, everything is always coming up roses with Gaga. <laughs> Susan, what can I say? You're one of my favorite people. June, you're so easy to talk to. You know we could talk about roses all day. And if when people visit the site, if they have a question, you know they can leave a comment, and I'm happy to get back to them. There's uh, lots of suggestions and comments, and I talk about different things that people can do when they're planting their garden. So be sure and stop by, and and um, questions or comments are welcome anytime. So, and like thank you, Susan. Said, many th- thank I'm you, sorry, June. We, Lovely we to talk of- to you. I'm sorry we are out of time, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone, and please, by all means, get out there and get connected with the earth and get gardening. Have a great day.